the founders in, in my book, If You Can Keep It, I thought they all understood that these ideas are what give you America and freedom. You can't get away from it. If, if you don't care about honor and dignity and these deep ideas, so Washington embodied these ideas, but we no longer have anybody talking about it. We've become so secular that we're not even able to lean into these virtues that everyone, every Jew, every Gentile, every Christian, every, every, everybody in the culture, in almost every culture, would talk about wisdom and the gray hair gives you wisdom. And it was just a concept. And it takes a really sick culture to throw that away and to, to think that you're being smart, you're being intellectual, but there's, there's nothing there. And what I found in studying these atheists um, is it was actually astonishing. It's hard for me to believe that they could have n- not only nothing to say, but that the things that they would say would just be so patently stupid. You'd think it's, it's not possible. These are really smart people. Surely they've got some stuff to say that, that's more substantive. And literally this morning... My wife was saying to me, you know, uh, Erica, when, the, when your atheism book comes out, you should write like an op-ed or something talking about atheism and freedom and how atheism Marxists and socialists always are atheists or gravitating toward atheism or pushing people of faith uh, into gulags and into terrible places. And, and freedom, which is what I've written about, freedom inevitably comes out of the scripture, it comes out of faith. There is no getting around these things, that there is a relationship between atheism and and socialism, tyranny, lack of freedom on the one hand, and faith, robust faith on the other hand. (laughs) And Dennis in the car, not knowing I had this conversation with my wife, said that he had just written an op-ed on this very subject and that secularism uh, just destroys everything. But this leads us to the to the problem, right? Freedom means we can't enforce faith. Mm. Faith has to come out of the culture. And that's where we've taken our... This is when people say, how did these things happen? Somehow, it happened in Germany and it happened here. People take their eye off the ball somehow and they drift along. They forget some things. In Germany, I mean, it's a, it's a bigger story, but in this country... We've been drifting for 50 or so years, really since the 60s, in this secular direction. And I'm convinced the only corrective to where we are politically and in every way is revival, is people knowing the God of the Scripture, fearing the God of the Scripture, and and dying to live for him. That's ultimately the, 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 the only hope. All right. I'd like to, is it okay? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay, so I, I'd like to give you two examples of wisdom from, from the Bible that uh, are both life-changing and not often pointed out. So one is the question of how do you judge people in the past? Mm. The founders had slaves. Many of them had slaves. That's all college kids now know. That's it. They're, they're not great people. They're just slave owners. This is the product of fools. Fools are making fools. It used to be college. Now it's high school. And now it's elementary school as well. Fools are teaching and making 
fools. These were giants. And my old theory, midgets hate giants. <laughs> and these are very small people who hate the founders. They're nothings. They have built nothing. They only know how to tear down statues. So how do you judge people in the past? Here is the answer from Noah. It's an amazing sentence. When I studied uh, the Bible, I was taught in a very, very great way. It was a fantastic way of teaching. It's a very standard Jewish way of learning scripture. You ask, why does it say this and not this? To every, virtually every verse. That's the way I read uh, uh, secular things, and it, it has enabled me to understand what the author really wants to say. So God saves Noah, and only Noah, and his family. Why? Because he was a righteous man. But that's not what it says. It says, because Noah was a righteous man in his generations. Mm. Why does it add in his generations? It would have been a perfectly apt sentence had it said, God saved Noah because he was a righteous man. That's not how you judge people. You judge people in their generations. Mm. And that answers the idiocy of saying, well, they own slaves. The whole bloody world owns slaves. There is no culture on earth, not African, not Asian, not South American, not indigenous that didn't have slavery. The only culture on earth that debated whether slavery was right was the Judeo-Christian West, beginning with Britain and his fine book on Wilberforce, and, and then going to the founders. The only country ever founded with debates on the morality of slavery. There was no other country ever founded with that debate. We were different. That's the issue that these fools don't understand is not what, in what way was America like everybody else. In what way was America different from everybody else? So you judge people in their generation. If a hundred years from now everyone's vegetarian, will we all be dismissed as evil because we ate meat? That would, be, that would be the way of doing it. Oh, Mother Teresa was despicable. She ate meat. And that would be it for the morons who teach in the secular world. Another point of wisdom that I, that I, 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 I tell very often. So I, I have a, I'm on a crusade to spread the Ten Commandments. It's all we need for a good world. If everybody lived by the Ten Commandments, we would need no armies we probably need no police. It's, it's, it's an unbelievable document. It, you can watch my videos. It's free, so I'm not advertising anything at PragerU on this. Or, of course, not free, read my commentary. But I make a point on honor your father and mother. The wisdom, again, of the Bible. Notice, the Bible says, love your neighbor... Love God, love the stranger. In the New Testament, love your enemy. Never tells us to love our parents. Isn't that interesting? Because God, who is the author of the Ten Commandments, understood not everybody can love their parents. But we all have to honor our parents. 
whether you love them or you didn't love them. That is so liberating when I tell this to people. A lot of people have emotional ambivalence towards their parents. it's, It's almost normal. But it doesn't matter. I begin, actually, the beginning of my foreword, or introduction to my Bible commentary, I write. In my late teens and early 20s, I had issues with my parents. Who doesn't? Right? Most people do. It's par, that's par for the human course. But I actually believed, I really did believe then as I do now, that God commands, and that's the word, commanded me, Dennis, to honor my parents. Whatever I might have felt or any difficulties I might have had. Okay, folks, this is a special episode of the Eric Taxa Show. We will be right back with more of my no-holds-barred conversation with the great Dennis Prager. Folks, this is a special episode of the Eric Metaxas Show. We are replaying a conversation I had with Dennis Prager. This is one of the most no-holds-barred conversation on the issues of the day I have ever had. You do not want to miss it. Please share it. Uh, Here it is. I moved out of my parents' house at the age of 21. There wasn't a week in my life anywhere on earth that I did not call them. And they had no idea of any issues that I had, nor was it important for me for them to know it. And sure enough, they dissolved over time, which was fine, but it didn't matter. God said to me, and by the way, I prove it, because you can only know this if you know the Hebrew. Hebrew verbs have a command form. English does not. English does not have a plural you. It has singular and plural are the same, you, except... You say y'all, and (laughs) you've gotten around that problem. (laughs) But Hebrew has a plural you and a singular you, and a command form. The Ten Commandments are all in the individual you form. That means it's to you, and to you, and to me talking to me. I believed God commanded this kid to honor his parents, whatever I might have felt at any given time. Mm. And let me tell you something. Approximately one-third of the families in this country, according to uh, a a recent uh, David Brooks column in the New York Times, I I read stuff I don't agree with most of the time. That's why I studied Pravda. And I, he he, he wrote though, and I, I believe the study is correct. One third of American families has a member who doesn't speak to other members of the family, usually a parent. I would bet my income for the next year that overwhelmingly those are secular kids who never in their lives heard what I told you here tonight. God demands that you honor your parents. They voted for Trump. So what, you spoiled brat? (laughs) 
interesting. <laughs> That's the biblical view. So what, you spoiled brat? <laughs> two I, two us, quick thoughts on wisdom. Yeah. One is, he who walks with the wise grows wise, proverb, but the companion of fools suffers harm. So when we have fools teaching our children, they'll yeah, become fools. That's right. And then back to what you shared, Dennis touched on it, you came to it. It just makes me think if the New Testament teaches that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ, then it is, back to what you said earlier, it is a bit of a conundrum when you look on and say, how, how come it is then that so much of the church, professing church, seems to lack the capacity to, to demonstrate any sort of wisdom that is to see what it is that's going on and go, hmm, you know, this doesn't require that I just know more. Now I've got to do. Now I, and I've got to do it based upon the truth that is connected to Christ Jesus in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I just come back to that idea that you talked about in Germany. There was this professing yeah. church that seemed to lack the kind of wisdom that made right. you go forward. And, I mean, look, again, we know there's always this idea of a remnant. There's just no question that the prophetic voices in the Old Testament and Bonhoeffer, right? What were they saying to the people of God? They're talking to the people of God, and they're telling the people of God, hey, be the people of God. And the people of God weren't the people of God. So there's this conundrum that, you know, this is God's people. They're not behaving like God's people. And the prophets tell them to behave like God's people, do this and this and this, and they don't do it. Um, it's just... There's a lot that comes out of it. I mean, we, we, we learn lessons from, we see this over time. And obviously, well, I, I wanted to touch, it's related in so many ways, but when you mentioned, you know, how does Germany in the 30s have to do with today? One of the huge parallels is we call it cancel culture today, but it's the same thing. And Chuck Colson used to talk about the spiral of silence. And this is a, this is a principle. It's just a principle of life that when someone can get you to be quiet about something, they can intimidate you, they can get you to do something, you then spread that. In other words, uh, there was a time in Germany when if you didn't say Heil Hitler, nobody had a problem with it. But that problem increased over time. It got harder and harder so that eventually, if you didn't say it vigorously, you could be in big trouble. But it takes time and it takes the participation of people to let that process mm -hmm. happen. And that's what happens with cancel culture. So if somebody goes on TV on Larry King in uh, 2005 and says, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman, the Hollywood left, they go insane and they attack that person like Kirk Cameron, right? And you would think that he was the only person on planet Earth that believed that idea. Because pastors didn't stand up for him. Everybody thought, oop, they got him. They're not going to get me. I'm going to keep my mouth shut because I'm a freaking coward. I don't want to get caught. I'm going to let him take the heat. Well, that happens over and over again so that now nobody can easily talk about that. And as the years have passed, it becomes harder and harder. And it wasn't 2005. It was probably 2012 or something. But the point is, the less bold you are, the harder you make it for other people to be bold. 
the more bold you are, the easier you make it for other people to bold. So when somebody says something, and this is the, the this is the 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 uh, reason. I have become particularly outspoken. I wasn't really this way before was because I realized we are now in a battle and I will say things particularly strongly on purpose to strengthen people to say, he said that. He wasn't afraid to say Trump was elected twice because I thought I want to demonstrate there's nothing anyone can do to me. I'm in America. God forbid you should even suggest that I shouldn't say something because it's not popular. We're, we're, suppo- we're free. I'm even able to say things that are wrong. It's a free country. I, I'm not graded on do I get it right or wrong. I, we have freedom in this country. So when I say something, I believe the idea that, well, you shouldn't say that, we need to ask the question, who, who says I shouldn't say it? And what are they going to do about it? Because in this country, we have laws, we have freedom. But here's the thing. The less bold you are, the more we go in a direction where eventually there will be laws and they will be able to shut people up. So I feel like I'm fighting a battle because I want to encourage everyone to speak boldly. But it happened in Germany. They would pick you off, right? They would pick you off. He's going to go to the concentration camp. Well, I'm not going to say anything. So it's the famous, you know, the famous Martin Niemöller poem. You know, they first they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up, and I was not a Jew. Then they came for the the point is, it's got to be a principle for you. When they come for Naomi Wolf, who is a Jew, politically liberal, she talked about vaccine passports. She's she's being heroic in this stuff. When they come after her, I don't say, "Well, I'm glad they got her." I say, no, I want to stand with her. I'll disagree with her on all this different stuff, but I don't care. I will stand with her because the principle of speaking, even if I don't agree with you, whether I agree with you, we've got to stand with each other. That's what we used to do in this country. And the fact is that people aren't doing that. I have been canceled by Christians. And when I say Christians, again, I don't mean Gentiles. I don't mean mainstream uh, Protestants. I mean evangelicals have done that. And I thought to myself, that's why I'm not going to be shy about like pushing a book or something. Because honestly, I know that 10 years ago, I wouldn't have had to do much. There's just kind of, you know, there's a system, things get out there. But right now, I've become a target. And so I'm being squelched. I'm not going to give you chapter and verse. But the point is that anytime anyone is being canceled, if we all stand with them, We should be throwing money at Mike Lindell. We should be throwing money at anybody. But, but, use the code Eric. Um, But if you remember one thing tonight, remember that. But the point is that if we would all do that, the world would change. If if we would all say, if, if if a company says something really wicked, really cancel culture, we should all boycott it yesterday and and i really believe that that principle the spiral of silence it happened in germany we saw it happen it took place over time if you know the story of bonhoeffer you can just watch how it got worse and worse and worse and worse they could have won if they had all fought in the beginning we are there now we still have enough freedom to fight and to win but if we do not use everything we have, every ounce of freedom, if we don't exercise every ounce of freedom 
and do whatever it is we can do and stand with those who are being canceled. If we don't do that, we will go the same path. So that's a dramatic parallel. They did not avoid tremendous tragedy. We have the possibility of avoiding it, but we have to be extremely bold. We're in a battle, and tomorrow you may be dead, so you really better fight. Folks, you're listening to a special episode of the Eric Metaxas Show. This is a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Dennis Prager. Don't miss it. Here it is. Dennis, would you would you comment on... Um, I heard you speak one time about traveling in an airport and people sort of whispering to you. Mm-hmm. And you said the last time I heard that was when I was in Soviet Russia. Would, would you, when you think about censorship and this sort of new phenomenon and self-censorship... Like that we actually do this to ourselves. What do you think is worse? So the story uh, the pastor is uh, commenting on, as I've on occasion mentioned, very often people will come over to me at airports. And there's no time I'm at an airport that people don't come over to me. So this is a fairly broad-based generalization based on facts. People will come over, and I started noticing, not always, but on on more than a few occasions, they would look around and then start talking to me. And I remember thinking, what's going on here? And then when some would immediately lower their voice and say, just want you to know I'm, I'm conservative too. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I realized the last time this happened to me was in communist countries where people would look around before they would speak to an American because I was obviously American but just wearing the clothes that I wore was obvious that's very very sad I never thought this would happen in America sweet land of liberty and people look around before they say to somebody, I'm a conservative, or I voted for Trump, that they whisper. Half the country voted for Donald Trump. It's... Oh, okay, fine. I'm I'm sorry. Nine-tenths of the country voted for Donald Trump. Dennis... Dennis, actually, I forgot that, who's on my panel with me I, I, for, that, for a moment. Dennis, that brings up a, a point. I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Finish uh, what you were going to say, but I want to I touch on the, the, the half of the country. No, no, thing. I'm happy to stop there. Go ahead. Well, basically, part of the dynamic in you know, controlling people, in destroying freedom, in ruling people, has to do with this issue. And this is why the media is so deeply, deeply guilty is that they can project numbers. They make it seem as though a majority of people think this way or this way or this way. And part of my life and part of Dennis's life is to tell you that's not true. Mm. Most people know that one plus one equals two, that there are two Genders, you know, when a when a rooster lays an egg, we can have a conversation. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, that's not happening anytime soon. So let's just skip it because we all know 
what we all have known for 50 zillion years. It's really basic. So why are we pretending? But there's all kinds of stuff that we all know, but you'd get the impression that that's not the case. When we say that we know that marriage should be between a man and a woman, since the dawn of time, pagans have known that. This is not some crazy new idea that like white evangelicals came up with, but they give us the impression that, oh, no, no, you're crazy, you're crazy. So part of what we need to do in being bold has to do with saying to each other, no, you're not crazy. In fact, they're crazy. In fact, they're extremely crazy, and we all know it, and we should talk about it, and we should affirm each other, and we should be bold in doing that because they have uh, a gas-lit millions and millions of Americans into thinking, Oh, everybody thinks this way now. And first of all, if you had a modicum of guts, you'd say, who cares what everybody thinks? You know, right. if everybody thinks I should murder the Jews, should I murder the Jews? Like, is there anything like right and wrong or is it just what everybody thinks? I mean, obviously that's part of the problem. But mm. the media and the reason, uh, part of the reason Dennis and I do what we do is because to be a voice in the midst of the madness Think how many people are, are watching CNN and actually believing this is the news. They be, you've got to understand, they actually believe that. And we've got to do everything we can to help them understand, no, no, there are millions of people who have the same... I was asked, uh, I, I was uh, visiting a doctor uh, recently... Um, I, I don't mean to freak you out, but this is not my original head. Uh, this is a, it's a transplant. It's very complicated, but it went well. No, I was visiting a doctor to get an injection in my knee. And he uh, said to me quietly, he said, can I, this is a New York, uh, I believe, Jewish doctor. He said to me, can I ask you a politically incorrect question? I said, yes, please, go ahead. I, you know, He said... Before or after he shot you in the knee? Yeah, after the guy. I don't remember. Uh, he said to me, can I ask you a question? Um, he says, a couple days ago, I did a Zoom consultation with a family medical Zoom consultation. And they have a son who's, I don't know, 11 or 12 or something like that. And they were letting me know, you know, he now wants to be, I don't know, I think it was something like a they or something. Something particularly loopy. But this New York, Manhattan Jewish doctor is saying to me, do you think that's like a real thing? Or do you think, like, was this going on when we were kids and we just weren't paying attention to it? And I said to him, I can tell you flat out, it's, it's total BS. This is insanity. This kid who thinks he's a they or whatever he thinks, check with him in 15 years and see if he still thinks he's a they. Flows and flows of angel hair We used to laugh to cry. Folks, you're listening to a special episode of the Eric Metaxas Show. This is a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Dennis Prager. Don't miss it. Here it is. This is a madness. This is a madness that has gripped people. And we're feeding it and we're all tiptoeing around. And we need to be bold about this. And it's only particular groups of people that go along with this lunacy and in a moment of honesty he's like hey what do you what do you think he's not where i am politically but 
or theologically, but he said, he asked me this, you know. Then a black woman walks into the room. She's one of the women who works there. I don't know what she does. She's a clerk or something, but this is a black woman from the boroughs, okay, not a fancy Jewish doctor. This is a normal person who works hard to feed her kids. And he says to her, whatever her name was, and he shares this stuff. He says, well, you know, Daphne, what, what, what do you think? Do you think, think this is a, you know, whatever do you think it's BS? She said, it's total, and she said the word. She didn't say BS. <laughs> and I thought, of course, she knows. All the people she hangs out with knows this is garbage. But it's only, you know, the doctors and the people that are like, I don't know, is this a thing? How could this be a thing, folks? This is, this is madness. There's .0001 people that have these gender dysphoria issues, but suddenly, no, it's 14% of adolescents. This is madness. We need to tell each other that everybody knows the common sense. We need to affirm each other in that. Otherwise, we will go the way uh, the, the Germans did. They believe the propaganda. Mm. I wish that I were in the room there with Eric and the, and the Jewish doctor because I would have said to the doctor, are you aware that the American Medical Association has just announced that no birth certificate in America should have sex listed on it? He works for scum. Every institution has become scum. The American Medical Association, the American P- P- Pediatrics Association, they're actually anti-children. Everything that the left touches, it ruins. If you know that, you understand almost everything. Yeah. It has been true from Lenin to America today. They, they never build. Conservatives build and liberals build. Leftists destroy. There is no exception to that. They're destroying the medical profession. At medical schools, Wall Street Journal article just a few weeks ago noted a a, a professor who teaches at a medical school that it is no longer okay to say women give birth. You have to say birthing persons. You cannot say women. Don't laugh. This is scary stuff. And if, if we accept this, this is what happens. This is Eric's point. It happens, see, back to Germany, they didn't ship Jews to Auschwitz in, in 1933, the year Hitler came to power. They started doing it in 1942. It took nine years. First, okay, Jews can't uh, own a department store. Jews can't marry a non-Jew. Jews can't, Jews can't, Jews can't. Jews can't ride on, on, on public uh, transportation. So it, 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 uh, it drips and drabs. That happens, and then it's you know the the proverbial frog that's boiled and doesn't realize it's being boiled to death, and that's that's what we're having here. Any doctor who does not write a letter condemning the AMA is a coward, and you should tell your doctor that. Have you protested the AMA announcement? And if they haven't, I think you should see another doctor. That's the way you have to fight. Now, if your doctor saved your life and is cowards can do great medicine so it's possible but if if they didn't save your life get another doctor they have to feel the anger of yes. people yes. watching the society being destroyed yes. 
And medicine is destroying this country in the name of medicine. The, uh, I say this, I'm, an, I'm amazed I'm saying this. I never, I never thought this two years ago. My brother's a professor of medicine at an Ivy League university medical school. This is not easy for me to say. Doctors are as scummy as lawyers. That's really something. Now, that's crazy yeah, talk. Yeah, I know. Wow. That, no, no, I'm just joking. There are a lot of nice lawyers. There are a lot of nice doctors. That's a separate issue. There is no more honor in the medical profession than in any other profession in this country. Not one iota. Okay? Medical schools are as woke as the ACLU or as, any, or as the New York Times editorial page. You say that women give birth... You may be canceled as a professor of medicine at your university if the students have anything to do with it. They will boycott your classes if you say women give birth. Do you understand what we're at? Do you understand how fast this has happened? This is faster than Germany. This, this is why this stuff is so serious. The medical profession has disgraced itself. Plus, we live in a, in a world of lies. When you have testimony by, by uh, uh, Stanford and Yale and Harvard uh, epidemiologists that Ivivermectin works, and we could have saved at least 100,000 American lives had we used it. And YouTube takes it down. Doctors cannot differ with the CDC, another utterly corrupt, bankrupt, immoral organization. This, this is very scary stuff and needs to be fought. We live in a world of lies. We bathe in lies. America is systemically racist. I have called that statement in print as an author of a book on anti-Semitism, Why the Jews, still in print in, in fourth edition. In, in, I think, 40 years. I know anti-Semitism. I taught Jewish history at, at, on a college, in Brooklyn College. And, and I say this is the second greatest national lie in history. The first greatest was the blood libel, that Jews killed Christian children to use their blood to make matzah. In the medieval, uh, medieval England it started. This is the second greatest national lie in history, that America is systemically racist. Mm. You want a simple little proof? Three million Africans have moved here in the last 25, 30 years from the Caribbean and from Africa. Now, why would blacks move to a systemically anti-black country? There's only two possibilities. Either it isn't systemically anti-black or they're stupid. The left thinks they're stupid. There is no racism like left-wing racism. Mm. I'll prove it to you. Only they believe there should be all black dormitories on college campuses. There are only two groups in America who support black dormitories, the Ku Klux Klan and the left. Folks, that concludes a special episode of this program. The video is on Rumble. It's on YouTube. Uh, an important conversation. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with a final word.